Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. With the threat of the Delta variant making headlines all over the country... It was party time on Martha's Vineyard this weekend. Hundreds celebrated former President Barack Obama's 60th birthday at a star-studded party that included Jay-Z, Beyonce, John Legend, his wife, who people had realized not very nice. So were they all masked up and socially distanced? Nope. Friends, that's just for the peasants. It's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold The Line, I'm Buck Sexton. You're supposed to be really scared. You know that, you've been told that. You're supposed to be terrified about the COVID Delta variant. Even if you're vaccinated, you could still get it, could still spread it. They're telling you that children are increasingly hospitalized. It's dangerous to kids too. Is there data to support that? No, but it doesn't matter, right? You gotta be everyone really scared. You gotta make sure the population's compliant. You gotta make sure you're in charge, right? That's what the left wants. But they also want to party, apparently, and especially the elites, the people that are in control in this country, the media, political, and financial ruling class. They were at Obama's bash, and here's what it was like on his 60th birthday. Hundreds of people, indoors, close quarters, no masks. Oh, but it's okay because they're vaccinated. That's what the left wants to say. But hold on a second. We've just spent the last three weeks being lectured by psycholibs about how even if you are vaccinated, you can still get and spread COVID. So then why is that okay? Is this really the right message to send right now? Now, let me say, I believe the Obamas can have this party and I don't care and that's fine and God bless and all that. But I'm not going around lecturing everybody about how they have to get into lockdown posture again and start masking up, right? The hypocrisy is so thick you could choke on it here, but that's what's going on. That's how they do things. And so then the Democrat media, which is just the media for the most part, decided, well, they have to clean up this mess. And so New York Times White House correspondent, of course, covering the centers of power because she speaks truth to power, Annie Carney, said that uh, it was not a problem because, well, Obama's birthday party was full of people who were, I want you to hear her say it. This is really being overblown. 
they're following all the safety precautions. People are going to sporting events that are bigger than this. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. And, and this is just about optics. It's not about safety. A sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Sophisticated. Right. Unlike all the uh, unsophisticated people, I guess, who are not vaccinated at this point, including those like me who are not vaccinated and have natural immunity, which you'd think would be a thing that people could talk about and think about. But um, no, no. The science, which they change every week, depending on whatever their whims may be, the science leads them to ignore natural immunity. Ignore it entirely. You know, else they're ignoring our wide open border. A Texas border city says more than 7,000 COVID positive migrants have been released since February, 1,500 in the last week. So you've got thousands of people with COVID coming across the border. I'm just wondering, do you think that they're uh, quarantining? Do you think that they're avoiding closed, uh, enclosed spaces with large numbers of people? I doubt it. I doubt it. Meanwhile, the media still wants to make sure you know that it's not the case that there are people with COVID coming across the border. That's a big lie, even though it is the case and they're the ones who are lying, but who cares, right? New York Times headline, public health experts dispute some Republicans' claims that migrants are spurring a rise in COVID cases. Ah, you see, this is the, the kind of trickery the left engages in. It's certainly causing a rise because we know there are COVID positive illegal aliens crossing into this country and that they should not be in the country in the first place. And there are thousands of them who have COVID and they're likely spreading it to other people as well. And that we all live our lives under all kinds of restrictions still to this day, whether you're flying on a plane and who's allowed to come into this country and can you travel internationally, all these restrictions in place, but not for illegal aliens because Democrats like illegal aliens because they're likely to be needing the welfare state in this country to help support them. And they will therefore vote for the party of the state and the welfare state, which is the Democrats. It's all about votes and power, friends. That's the way this goes. But they want to distract you from that, which is why Fauci, the little lab coat tyrant, is still, of course, I mean, meet the press. He might as well host me to meet the press at this point. He'd be better at it than uh, Chuck Todd. And here is Fauci telling everybody that you need to make sure that children are only around vaccinated people because there's so much danger to children right now. There are two things you do with children who are not vaccinated, and that's the recommendation. You surround them with those who can be vaccinated, whoever they are, teachers, personnel in the school, anyone, get them vaccinated. So protect the kids with a shield of vaccinated people. For the kids who can't get vaccinated, that's the reason why we're having a strong recommendation that in the schools, everybody should wear a mask, whether or not you're vaccinated. We've got to protect the children. In the schools, everyone should wear a mask, but children aren't at substantial risk from COVID. So why do they have to wear a mask? And it's very hard for them to spread it. And if it's hard for them to spread it and the adults around them are vaccinated, as we've been led to believe they will be, of course, because teachers unions, right? They're all supposed to be so safe with this stuff. They're supposed to take it all so seriously. Um, No, Fauci's out there to remind everybody that you're supposed to bend the knee and do what they tell you to do and mask up your kids for eight hours a day or whatever it is in school because adults have anxiety disorders around COVID that they refuse to handle. And so they punish the children. This is the Democrat way. This is outrageous. Uh, The Delta variant has not been shown to be substantially more dangerous to children. If they're gonna hold this to zero risk, 
zero fatalities, zero hospitalizations when it comes to any categorization or demographic of people when it comes to COVID. We're just in forever COVID world. That's, that's actually where they're taking us, and people can start to figure that out, I think, now more than ever. Certainly, Senator Rand Paul is telling all of us that it's time to say no. It's time to say no. We're not, we're not doing this crazy crap anymore. Here is the senator, who's also a medical doctor, saying just that. It's time for us to resist. They can't arrest all of us. They can't keep all of your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed although I've got a long list of ones they might keep closed or might ought to keep closed, we don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. We have to. If we don't, this continues. They will not stop. I've been telling you that now. If you watch the show, you know I've been telling you that for over a year. They're not just going to give back the power that they have, but they like the excessive and absurd control they have over our lives. Their plan is to extend this, to continue this as long as they possibly can. All right, thousands of COVID-positive migrants are streaming into the U.S. The federal government seems to be doing very little about it. After the break, the mayor of Laredo, Texas, Pete Sines, stopped by to explain how his city is handling the crisis. But I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money first. Everybody wants to invest in cryptocurrency, it feels like that these days, but it's not easy to get started. That's why Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, decided to create My Digital Money. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that will answer your phone calls and help you get started. Because your comfort and security is their absolute top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, Trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit losses without having to watch your account 24-7. A play money account so you can test the market without risking your money. And with the recent pullback of most of the major cryptocurrencies, this might be the best time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. Mayor Pete Sines of Laredo, Texas, join us next on the border crisis when we come back. As COVID-positive migrants continue to flow over the southern border, hospitals in several Texas cities are becoming overwhelmed by the influx. In the city of Laredo, for example, available hospital beds are currently at their pandemic low with no ICU beds available as of Tuesday, last Tuesday. The rise in hospitalizations has led Laredo Mayor Pete Sines to declare a local disaster and file a request with the federal courts for a temporary restraining order halting the buses of migrants from entering the city. Joining me now to talk about this is the mayor of Laredo, Texas, Pete Sines. Mayor Sines, thanks so much. Thank you for the invitation and thank you for taking interest in the border. Just tell us what, what exactly is going on. I mean, give us a sense of what the problem is and, and how, how challenging it is for the resources of your city right now. Yeah, currently, we're in a crisis mode health-wise. It's a public uh, health uh, crisis because of the COVID. And then to, uh, to exacerbate that, uh, we're also receiving buses from the RGV, which is the Rio Grande Valley area, which is about 150 miles uh, downriver southeast uh, from Laredo. As Laredo is about 280,000 people population. So in essence, they're bringing in another layer of population that, that potentially uh, can exacerbate even worse our hospital situation. Uh, our NGOs are at capacity. Uh, 
they used to bring these migrants and then within day, a day or two, uh, because of the COVID uh, infections, uh, the, the NGO facilities would be placed in court to continue bringing more uh, migrants uh, from the RGV area to Laredo. And then, you know, they would have to release them in our streets and our plazas. So given the gravity of the NGO limited capacity and even worse, uh, our hospital capacity, uh, you know, we were forced to actually bus. We, we've actually discontinued uh, the lawsuit because it was taking too long. We couldn't wait. So we, we basically now made an arrangement with the Border Patrol uh, or an understanding. So Border Patrol would then would now uh, process whatever overflow. And, and that's usually about 200, a little over 200 migrants per day. So we, we pick them up. The Laredo, the city of Laredo proper takes responsibility for them once they're delivered to our, a facility that we have uh, for them. And then we, we in turn uh, pay for that cost uh, of, of transporting these, these migrants further north. Uh, keep in mind, they're not tested. We, we have made arrangements with other NGOs uh, you know, along that journey toward their city of destination and also with the uh, the, uh, the emergency management coordinators uh, throughout that journey. Uh, so at least they can provide uh, PPEs and, and whatever uh, protection they can provide. Uh, that's all we can do. Uh, the federal government uh, really is not testing, you know, and, and they're the federal government and they tell us that they don't have the capability for that. You know, what do you expect from a little guy from, a, you know, from a city you know, our size and, and hampered and wounded by, Hey, Mayor, can you tell me what, what is the status in terms of just testing specifically of people who are coming across the border, entering illegally, and then in, in, in the cases you're talking about being released? I mean, are, are COVID tests uniformly done? What is the protocol? No, there's no testing. Keep in mind, once you test, there's an obligation because some of, some of them will turn out to be positive. And when they're positive, they got a quarantine, and that's an infrastructure in itself. Uh, and and we don't have it. Uh, we certainly don't have it. And and the, so that it kind of forced us to to just bust them out uh, to you know to other cities in Texas, and they in turn make other connections, uh, coordinated with with uh, some of the NGOs at, at those cities and with those EMCs we call them those uh, you know, emergency management coordinators. Uh, so uh, we're doing the best we can with the resources that we have. Uh, ideally, uh, Border Patrol should should test quarantine. And then release the positives, uh, and then those uh, not the positives. You know, the positives once they become negatives, and uh, but that's not happening simply because they don't have any resources. And I'm told that the border patrol budget has been uh, cut or lessened uh, some way somehow. So we need resources. That's the bottom yeah, line. It sounds like you're you're overwhelmed with with what you're already dealing with. There are a lot of politicians, meanwhile, in the rest of the country. I mean, you're actually down there on the border. You're seeing this on the ground firsthand. But there are, are folks that have a big voice, the national conversation mayor, who are denying that the influx of COVID positive migrants are in any way contributing to the situation in Texas hospitals and places like Laredo. I mean, here's what the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, just said today. I'm not getting political, but the people I'm, I'm running against started repeating this ridiculous uh, Fox News narrative that the reason why COVID is raging in Texas and other places like that is because illegal immigrants are coming over the border, encouraged by this president uh, with COVID and then being put on buses and sent to states. I mean, that's like tinfoil hat stuff. What do you make of that? What Governor Murphy says. He says tinfoil hat stuff, Mayor. 
we're doing exactly what he's saying we're not doing. I mean, and, and, and it's not by by choice. It's 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 really we're obligated. To, you know, at this point, be that as it may, a fact is a fact, uh, and uh, whether they're positive or negative, that's that's for you know someone else when they're tested wherever they were tested. Uh, we can't test. We don't have that capability nor the infrastructure to deal with the quarantines and and of course the money to expand along those lines. Uh, you know, we'll feel sorry for them uh, by all means, but then again, I I have to think of my constituency, my residents. It's it's uh, technically putting my residents with with the migrants pitting for beds here, and that's a, a yeah. very insensitive. How bad is Mayor? How bad is the hospital situation in Laredo right now? I mean, how how, how tight is it? Well, we've had zero ICU capacity for for a day or two. Uh, you know, it varies. Uh, we have. Uh, Hospitals going on diversion, you know, because there's an overflow of patients waiting in hallways for hours. In some cases, uh, days, two, three days, uh, you know, waiting for that. And uh, and you know, we ourselves, as as residents, are having such a big issue with our hospital capacity. Can you imagine, you know, adding another layer of uh, of a population that normally, you know, typically should have a choice. You know, they should be taken to facilities where where they can be adequately treated. It's inhumane of what what the federal government is doing, uh, you know, to these folks. Uh, uh, you know, given the the situations, if we have the capacity, uh, hospital capacity, of course, you know, we could treat our people and treat them. Uh, but unfortunately, we we find ourselves in a in a very dire, a very difficult situation here, and I and it's just very, you know, awful to to, to tell two sick people, uh, uh, you know, we you know we can't take you, or yes, we can take the resident, not the migrant, vice versa, simply because we don't have the hospital space. Mayor, Mayor uh, Sines, I just want to know if, if you could get the federal government to really zero in and pay attention to this issue to help your city, what could they do? What should they do? Ideally, uh, secure the border. We've been asking for that for months, secure the border. Uh, in other words, don't force these people to come and claim asylum uh, at the border, at the water's edge, so to speak, as they cross. Uh, uh, you know, make them uh, uh, remotely, you know, file an application to, you know, for asylum. Uh, and, and I've heard, well, it's not, you know, they're afraid. Uh, well, it's, you know, have safe places, either the country, you know, country of origin or something close to the country of origin, but don't force them here because only the cartels are profiting from them. And then, of course, these people, sometimes they die or they, they go through some horrible or horrific uh, situations. So we want to prevent that. And also, if, short of that, because I know the policy is, you know, come on in, uh, then send resources. You know, Border Patrol needs a lot of help. Uh, don't cut their budget. Uh, we need personnel. We need technology. Uh, you know, we need to secure this border. Uh, and I know the fiscal wall, uh, uh, you know, uh, President Trump was for it. Uh, this president says a virtual wall. We haven't seen a single element of that virtual wall, which would mean personnel, technology, road building, you know, along the border. Uh, uh, yeah, Mayor, I got to tell you, I think you're going to be waiting, unfortunately, with this administration a, a long time. But we really appreciate you joining us to bring some uh, actual background and some real knowledge about the situation down in your city. Best of luck to you and thanks for your time today. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. College students around the country are getting ready to head back to class for the fall semester. A lot of them are going to be required to get the COVID vaccine. After the break, Danielle D'Souza Gill will join us to discuss the vaccine mandate on college campuses. But before that, let's talk about that morning cup of coffee. If you're like me, you need your dose of caffeine to get going. 
And I start off every morning with Black Rifle Coffee. Not only is this some of the best coffee I've ever tasted, it's a veteran-owned company that serves premium coffee to people who love America. Black Rifle is committed to supporting veteran law enforcement and first responder causes. And this summer, Black Rifle invites you to enjoy your coffee wherever it takes you. Whether you're brewing the perfect cup of pour over or you're cracking a can of 300, you gotta drink Black Rifle. It's a company that is here to fuel your way wherever the summer takes you. Black Rifle Coffee imports high quality beans from all over the world, roast them five days a week in Tennessee and Utah. Team at Black Rifle is continually researching and experimenting with new roasting methods and coffee origins to bring you the most delicious coffee you can get anywhere. Get some today, blackriflecoffee.com buck. Use code buck at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. Fuel your summer with America's coffee, Black Rifle Coffee. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. College students attending Indiana University are calling upon the Supreme Court to block the school's decision to require vaccinations for the upcoming fall semester. New York Post reports the students argue that they have a constitutional right to bodily integrity, autonomy, and of medical treatment choice in the context of a vaccination mandate. The requirements apply to roughly 90,000 students and 40,000 employees on seven campuses across the Hoosier State. Students who don't comply will have their registration canceled, and workers who don't will lose their jobs. At least eight states have banned schools and colleges from implementing mask and vaccine mandates. Here with me to discuss is Danielle D'Souza-Gill. Danielle, great to see you. Thank you for having me, Buck. So where do we stand right now with the vaccine mandates for colleges, universities across the country? How's this fight shaping up? It's horrible. It's horrible because really these colleges are supposed to be a place of inquiry. They're supposed to be a place where students learn, ask questions, can debate these issues, especially when it comes to science. But instead, the colleges are just forcing them, at least the one that you mentioned, are forcing the students to get the vaccine. In other words, shutting down all of that debate. So these schools are really anti-education. Do we have any sense as to whether student groups are mobilizing? I mean, we, we've heard that some are at petitioning the Supreme Court, but is this widespread or do we know if, if, if most students are just essentially saying, all right, if you're going to force me, I'm going to get it. You know, how big is the backlash to this? I've heard that a lot of people are suffering from the backlash, not just at school, but at work in the sense that some people are forced to literally leave their jobs, leave their industry, especially if they're in the healthcare industry, for example, whereas other people are like, I can't start over. I can't go to a different college. I can't start my life over. So they feel forced. They feel like they have to get the vaccine. One thing that feels very like we aren't supposed to remember this, but we do, or at least I do, is that there was a time about six months ago when we had the Biden administration, Joe Biden himself as the president, 
saying that we all agreed that mandates were not the way. It should be voluntary. Well, that lasted until not everyone got it, and now it seems like, oh no, it is going to be mandates, as though we've forgotten that common ground we had in January of this year. Right. They say follow the science, but the science changes every two seconds for the Democrats. Basically, they flip-flop on masks, they flip-flop on the vaccine. Kamala Harris was our original anti-vaxxer. She said she wouldn't take the Trump vaccine. And now, of course, they're trying to push the vaccine on all of us. So it really shows us that this isn't about science. It's not about the vaccine. It's not even about COVID. It's just about the Democrats wanting to control our lives and wanting to make this pretext um, kind of an excuse to continue controlling our lives even long after this period. I mean, who knows when we're not going to wear masks on a plane again. It also feels like we're going to have to have college students who are mandated to do this once. Why wouldn't they be mandated to do it now essentially every year? It becomes something akin to the flu vaccine, but it's for COVID, but you have to get it. So now it looks to me like you're going to have to have updated COVID vaccination every year and go through that discomfort and whatever the associated risks with that may be for people who, and we're talking college age, usually 18 to 22. I know there's some folks who are super duper seniors and the rest of it, <laughs> but it seems like this is going to become now that they're essentially normalizing vaccine mandates, not one time, but for colleges every year. Right, it'll be continuous. There will always be a booster shot. There will always be some kind of disease going around that they're going to want to force us to get vaccines for. And plus, it seems like, um, you know, the, the actual science has showed us that there have been very few deaths of young people due to COVID. And we don't even know what the causes or the side effects are of a lot of this on young people. Danielle, shifting gears here for a second, the chairwoman of, uh, chairwoman of Time's Up has announced retirement in light of her involvement of a smear letter attacking Lindsey Boylan, the first woman who publicly accused Governor Cuomo of sexual harassment. According to the New York Post, the progressive attorney was referenced in State Attorney General Leticia James's damning report released last week that accused Cuomo of sexually harassing 11 women. Kaplan had reviewed a draft op-ed letter that attacked Lindsey Boylan, the first woman to publicly accuse the disgraced New York governor of sexual harassment. Fascinating here. Kaplan co-founded the Legal Defense Fund in the wake of the Me Too movement, and she submitted her resignation Monday. So just for everyone home, I mean, so this is somebody who was supposed to be a stalwart defender of Me Too, hashtag time's up, right? They're going to fund the campaigns of those who want to get justice for their Me Too, uh, for, you know, against their Me Too uh, aggressors. And turns out that she's essentially for hire and Cuomo was, the high, was a high bidder here and got her to work for him. Right. Basically, he hired people like her to suppress these kinds of inquiries, basically to actually defame these people, discredit them, make it seem like these accusers were, you know, ha had this kind of sketchy history and all of this. And it's really unfortunate because it's not just hypocrisy. It's not just like, oh, the Democrats say this and do that. It's like, no, this is actually people who use their political power, use their money and use their connections to basically um, silence people who are actual victims of sexual assault. Yes, and yet we all know that if Cuomo were a Republican, even though they're calling for his resignation now, it feels like they waited until it was beyond, at least in the court of public opinion, beyond a reasonable doubt. Do you think that Cuomo has any chance of staying? I don't think he wants to resign, and I don't think he thinks he has to. I think he thinks he's kind of beyond, um, beyond reproach, although even Biden has asked him to resign, and most Democrats have to distance themselves from him because... 
the Democrats claim to be the party that's against sexual assault and all of this. And meanwhile, you know, their their biggest um, governors, you know, Governor Cuomo, Governor Newsom are under major attack. These Democratic governors of these massive states, one is maybe recalled, the other one is a sexual abuser. I mean, Melissa DeRosa, who I, I don't know if hatchet woman is a thing, but, you know, <laughs> hatchet man, the phrase she was his hatchet woman. Uh, she has resigned. So clearly she thinks that uh, her her days as Cuomo's chief, you know, attacking all of his enemies uh, had come to an end. There's also reporting out there that Governor Cuomo offered to the New York State Legislature, to the Democrats, his own party, a promise not to run again if they let him finish out his term until next fall. You think he might? I, I, I mean, I'll tell you, people who watch the show know, I feel like he's going to find some way to ride out his term. Could you see it or is that a little too much? No, I think so. I think the way is that he's in bed with the media. His brother is at CNN and they've been covering for him. He basically says, oh, here's a story. Let's leak this to the press. And the media basically puts out what he wants them to put out. So I think unless the media really comes down hard on him, like the, the leftist media, it's um, he's probably going to continue being governor. And yet we all know if there's a Me Too allegation against a Republican that involves completely unsubstantiated rumors from 30 years ago, they'll actually make sure that he resigns. Exactly. And his own party will even sometimes call him to resign because they'll be too embarrassed, even just from the thought that there could be something wrong. If the Democrats didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards. But Danielle, <laughs> you've got standards. We appreciate you sharing them with us here. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's been a little over a month since President Biden announced an end to the U.S. mission in Afghanistan. So how are things actually going on the ground there? Terribly, I'll tell you that. After the break, Bill Roggio from the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies gives us an update on the situation in Afghanistan. First, let's talk about investing in cryptocurrencies, though. You know, a lot of people want to invest in the crypto market these days, whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, or any of the dozens of tokens out there. But how do you get started? Well, that's where Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, comes in. He started My Digital Money. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service, one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that will answer your phone call and help you get started. Because your comfort and security is their absolute top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit losses without having to watch your account 24-7, a play money account so you can test the market without risking your money, and with the recent pullback of most of the major cryptocurrencies out there, this might be the best time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not just a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll have an update on the situation in Afghanistan in just a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Unsurprisingly, the Taliban is quickly gaining ground in Afghanistan. The militant group took control of three more Afghan provincial capitals as the U.S. nears complete withdrawal of combat troops from that country. One of the latest sea cities was Kunduz, with a population of over 400,000 people. Afghan security forces reportedly lost control of key government buildings and a prison that was housing Taliban fighters. Catch and release. Caught in the fighting between Afghan security forces and Taliban insurgents, ordinary Afghan people are paying a terrible price. What's the international community going to do? What's the U.S. going to do? Is anyone going to do anything, really? Here to discuss, senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, Bill Roggio. Bill, appreciate you being with us. What's the situation as it stands right now? Thanks, Buck. It's a pleasure to join you. Uh, Unfortunately, the situation in Afghanistan is very grim. The Taliban took control of six provincial capitals uh, from Friday up until today, three of them on on one day on Saturday. Um, uh, And one of them, as you mentioned, Kunduz. This is a major city. It's a strategic city. It's a hub for commerce. Uh, it's, it's basically, you could probably consider Kandu City the capital of the north. The Taliban now has control of a band of provinces in, in northern Afghanistan. And these provinces are, these provinces are key to, the, um, to significant Afghan power brokers, the members of the government, members of the military. This is where many of them derive their power. And without the, with these capitals and these provinces under control of the Taliban, um, these officials, their ability to fight the Taliban, to recruit, to, to recruit for the army, to counter Taliban movements elsewhere has been significantly degraded. And it's putting capitals now like Herat and Forest City uh, in, under direct Taliban threat. Herat in, in the western, it's Afghanistan's second largest city, um, is the Taliban are at the gates of Herat right now. And there is very little the Afghan government can do, do to support Afghan forces in this city, other than fly them in and in arm Ishmael Khan's militia. He seems to be the only man in Afghanistan that has figured out how to effectively fight the Taliban. But out on an island, it's difficult to say how long even he can. Yeah, what, what is the, the plan here for the Afghan national government, which is allied still with the United States, right? There, there must be some game plan that they think is going to be able to at least uh, stop and, and, and maybe begin to roll back. Although it, it feels like right now the best they can hope for is, is stalemate, Bill. I mean, is there any, is there, is there some countermeasure, counterstrike that we should be anticipating here? Or is this just the central government digging in and hoping to stop the bleeding? Yeah, the, if the Afghan government has a plan, I, I'm not seeing it. They, what they have done is basically bury their head in the sand. They haven't admitted that these six capitals and three provinces went under full Cal- Taliban control over the weekend. They've been putting out the rosy statements. They're, the only thing that I've seen them done that has somewhat marginal effects is arming the militias. They seem to be, uh, seem to be putting a lot of emphasis on rearming militias. And in some ways, that's a good thing in the case of like Herat City that might, might prevent the city from falling under Taliban control. It still remains to be seen. But in many cases, these same warlords that are being rearmed helped the Taliban um, achieve its rise to power in the 1990s. 
because often these militias start acting capriciously with the with the local populations. But the Afghan government, I, if, if to be honest, because I advised individuals within the government, um, Afghan officials, that they needed to consolidate their positions before, even before the U.S. left. Because the situation was very clear to me that it was precarious, that the Taliban was advancing, that it had combat strength, and that it was committed to continuing the fight. Unfortunately, the U.S. government put laid all, uh, and the Afghan government, and the international community, put all their hopes in a, in a peace deal that was never going to happen. And now, I think all the Afghan government is clinging to is that the U.S. will re-engage. The U.S. military is now launching upwards of five airstrikes a day in Afghanistan, but it hasn't stopped them from overrunning a single at this moment. What, what was the, because this was under the Trump administration, right? There was the, the Doha uh, peace deal that, that was struck with the Taliban. What, was the, what, what were the parameters of that, the purpose of it? And I, I assume it's uh, safe to say that attacking provincial capital is a pretty clear violation of whatever that agreement was. So what was that supposed to do and where does, it, where does the peace deal stand now, technically? Yeah, well, ironic, ironically, but that peace deal, I've signed a car loan and car purchase agreements that were far longer. It's only three and a half pages. Um, I'm sorry, three and a third pages. There's nothing in there. Um, U.S. officials constantly complain that the Taliban wouldn't reduce violence, that it was attacking in capitals, but none of that was in the agreement. The agreement, the entire purpose from the Taliban side was to get the U.S. to withdraw. Um, the only thing the Taliban agreed to was to not let foreign terror groups operate on their soil to conduct attacks against the West or Western partners. The Taliban clearly has violated that. That's a, a, a news segment in itself. Um, and then the other thing it agreed to do was negotiate with the Afghan civil society, not just the government. And but it never had that. There was never any outcomes in this agreement. So the Taliban it participated in this agreement to, to get the U.S. to withdraw. What the Trump administration wanted was kind of is almost exactly the same thing as what the, the Nixon administration wanted, which was a decent withdrawal. I'm sorry, decent interval for the U.S. withdrawal. So that means the U.S. would leave. Um, there would be a period where things would be okay. And then if Afghanistan collapses, it collapses. And, um, well, we tried, but we, you know, there was some time in between, so we, the finger can't be pointed directly at, at me. Well, I think we're seeing that there is no decent interval to be had. Um, the U.S. officials who, and including President Biden, who, committed to this withdrawal, they're going to own this one. This the collapse of Afghanistan is happening in real time. It's happened in the time frame of when President Biden announced the, this withdrawal. Bill, based on your assessments, I mean, I know that you're tracking very closely control of territory, and we're at basically 50% of Afghanistan now, perhaps more than 50%, given the recent seizures of provincial capitals in Taliban hands under full Taliban control. Uh, based on the projections of what you're seeing over the last 90 days, how long before the Taliban is sur at least surrounding and, and making a, an effort to take Kabul, the capital city? That's the, the question I get asked a lot, and it's probably the hardest to answer. Um, you know, if things continue down this path, um, if nothing changes, if the Afghan government doesn't figure out how to reconfigure its defenses and pull back from places where it's fighting a losing battle. In cities like Lashkargah and Helmand um, and Kandahar City, they're pouring in resources to save blocks and neighborhoods within a city. The Taliban controls the rest. If they don't stop doing this, they're, they're risking losing significant forces. So the, 
But to answer your question, if this continues down this path, we could see Kabul surrounded in, I would estimate, from four to six months. Um, it's, again, difficult to say, but that's the trajectory we're on right now. Bill, appreciate the expertise. We're going to be talking to you a lot about this in the months ahead. Thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure, Buck. Thanks for having me. So-called journalist questions whether a parent knows what is best for their own child regarding mask mandates. We'll break that down and more in Quick Hits. But first, if you've ever thought about investing in real estate, I want you to take me up on this recommendation right now. Visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system flat out works. I know because I'm using it. It allows everyday hardworking Americans like you and me to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't tell you in strong enough terms during this quick commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? Go to doneforyoubuck.com and at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For Your Real Estate where you can hear my personal experience with their company in my own words. I'll tell you about it in detail from picking the city to the house, getting the broker, getting the loan, even getting a tenant in place so I get free cash flow coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. Quick hits up next. Stay with us. Joe Rogan rips vaccine passports is moving the U.S. closer to dictatorship. And why do parents keep allowing President Biden to sniff their kids? Whoa. We'll get into that in quick hits, but let's start with this one. Um, look, Joe Rogan is one of the very few podcasters out there who I, as somebody in radio and podcasting myself, will listen to sometimes. He's actually got a really interesting show, interesting vibe. And when he's right, he's really right. And it's great because he speaks to a very broad audience that includes a whole lot of people who are left of center, a lot of young people. And so when he slams vaccine mandates, it has real impact. And here Joe Rogan is doing just that. When you give people freedom, you let people do whatever the f*** they want to do, they actually find ways to succeed and grow and thrive. But as soon as you put the boots to them, as soon as you tell them, you have to do this or you can't do that, you have to listen to me, now you have a mini dictator. You right. have one step away from a king. You have a one step closer. You're moving one step closer to dictatorship. That's what the f*** is happening. That's what's going to happen with a vaccine passport. That's what's going to happen if... They close borders. You can't enter New York City unless you have your papers. You can't go to here unless you have that. You can't get on a plane unless you do what I say. And people say, whoa, it's all about protecting people from the... Mm. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. He's right. It's tyranny. It's stupid. It needs to stop. We need to fight against this, okay? He's not some Trumper. He's not some right-wing guy or whatever. All the things the media says. He's just somebody who's seeing this for what it is. By the way, I'm a Trumper, but that's not the point. Uh... It's, it's astonishing that we've even gotten to this point in society where we have to even say no vaccine mandates because six months ago, Democrats pretended, or eight months ago, they pretended like they didn't want them either. No need to, no need to force people because you get it, you're protected, right? Do they really believe that though? People are starting to ask questions about what they believe. All right, a journalist asked the Tennessee Governor Bill Lee about mask mandates for kids. And then questions if parents actually know what's best for their own children. Here are the journals are showing you what they really think of your judgment. I would recommend that they listen to the parents of the children in their school district. I would recommend that, and I would suggest 
that no one cares more for the children of the state than the parents of those children. That no one knows better what's best for a child than that child's parents. Is that true? It is true. I mean, I'm talking about it is the true. It is true. A parent knows best about their own individual child and what's best for them. Parent knows best about what their individual child needs. That feels like that shouldn't be even a little bit controversial, right? That's very straightforward stuff. And yet, journos don't really believe it. They think that the state knows better about how to keep children safe than how parents would keep their own children safe on issues like this. Joe Biden pulled another Biden. No, not saying something particularly stupid, but doing something creepy and weird. Watch. Guys, I'm gonna throw. I mean, you know, he he didn't really sniff. If we're being honest, he just kind of like leaned in. All right, you know, we're, creepy Joe has got to actually be creepy if we're gonna call him out. So I think I think that one. I didn't I didn't hear a sniff. I didn't hear a sniff. Hey, I keep it real here. All right, I tell you the truth. I can't just uh, throw Biden under the bus on this one. No, I don't. But but we 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 got the okay. Can we hold that one for tomorrow? We got we got one. We're gonna get to tomorrow for all of you because I I wanted to get to it. But yeah. I felt like the Biden one, I don't know, I might have overpromised on that a little bit. We'll have creepy Joe for you soon, though, I promise. That's going to be a thing that happens. All right, that's what we got for all of you. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly's up next. Shields high.